Many OGs in the digital health circles would remember a time when technology in a hospital basically just meant the EMR. The electronic medical record is obviously a very important element of the whole tech setup in our healthcare setting. But more and more, you hear of hospital executives talking about this desire to not just rely on one behemoth of a system that tries to do everything, but instead to have specialist systems that dive deep into particular areas to really enhance the workflow and improve patient experience and outcomes, which all then connects together and give a more comprehensive view of the patient. But implementing all this technology, you of course need the technical aspects around standards and connectivity and interoperability, which we talk about a lot on the show, but a really important part of it all as well, which can often be overlooked, is educating and engaging frontline workers, not just training them on what button to press on a device or in an app, but really improving the digital health capability and maturity among frontline workers in healthcare is really important. Not only this, but then organizations need to make sure that underpinning their digital health strategy is a robust understanding and appreciation for clinical governance to ensure the safety and security of patients and the data within those systems. Well, with me today is Brian McDonald from BM Digital Health Consulting. And in this episode, we're exploring digital health strategies and the importance of investing in digital health, even in challenging economic times, all while engaging the workforce and keeping clinical governance front of mind. Collaboration starts with a conversation, Team Health Tech. Let's make it happen. Welcome to Talking Health Tech, a podcast and membership community about technology in healthcare. Here's your host, Peter Birch. With me today is Brian McDonald. He's a senior nurse informatician with over 25 years of experience in public and private healthcare. He works closely with healthcare organizations to develop their digital health strategy and providing operational experience in digital health delivery. Brian, how are you going? Good, thanks, Peter. How are you going? Thanks very much for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show. It's a pleasure to have you here. It's been great chatting with you amongst the THT Plus community and what you're doing in this space. So it's great to have you on the pod to go through it in a bit more and share with others. But look, set the scene for us. Tell us about you and your background. Yeah, thanks very much. I've been a registered nurse for over 25 years. Originally started off in nursing in South Australia, working at the Women's and Children's Health Network, which is a pretty broad organisation in South Australia in Adelaide, which covers paediatrics, maternity, neonatology, paediatric mental health and perinatal mental health, but also community health services. So I started off there as a nurse working in adolescent healthcare across that organisation. Did a number of years in the clinical realm, also in community healthcare, working with at-risk adolescents in healthcare who are at risk of homelessness and dealt with a lot of social needs. And then since then, I sort of worked into healthcare, into the digital space where I was brought in to support a clinical nursing and midwifery information system across the whole of the region, which in itself was its own region, or we could say its own primary health network in its own right in South Australia. And so I was actually brought in to support that. I managed that for a number of years, did a lot of digital implementations of that system. It was a very old system at the time. And for some of you who probably remember systems which are DOS-based, so that's what I managed. It was DOS-based, having to run manual reports out of it, learn how to use SQL code and a whole range of different things. And then I actually got involved with implementing a replacement to that. So I was involved in the assessment board of the tender to replace that system in South Australia. So I got engaged as a clinical lead for that. 
And that's where I started. I just got involved in it. To some extent, it was accidental to some extent. And I just stayed in that business. And I was involved with uh, leading the technical implementation with in South Australia Health of a replacement system over a number of different hospitals. And then I was involved with us at the time to go and work as the vendor who happened to be the vendor who was the software vendor of the solution we're putting in. They asked if I'd be interested in doing some work with them. And I said, yep, I'd love to do it. I'd do it for a year. And I did that. I went off to work for a company called Emerging Systems, which was called Emerging Systems before they were taken over by Telstra Health. Mm -hmm. And I did that for a year. And then I decided to go back to the Department of Health, do a little bit of work over there. I did a master's in information technology and business intelligence in the meantime, because I felt what was really important for me was being a nurse informatician. I'd had a nursing background, so a real clinical fundamental background. So for me, it was about how do I bring out that technology component and apply the theoretical technology. So I actually did a master's in information technology. I completed that and then I actually ended up going back to the vendor and went back to Emerging Systems and I actually went back there probably about 12 years ago and moved to Sydney, as you do. And uh, since then, I'm doing a whole range of things in senior executive positions, both in Emerging Systems and Tesla Health, implementing electronic medical records, working with organisations such as St. Vincent's Health Australia, HealthScope, St. John of God, Royal Rehab, also involved in the beginning parts and implementations of the National Cancer Screening Register with Telstra Health and really pushing out that digital technology and working closely with key stakeholders, clinicians, organisations to build out their digital maturity and understand their role in digital capabilities. Mm. So I did that and I've also been involved on the Nursing Informatics Australia Committee as part of the Australasian Institute of Digital Health. And uh, I did that for a number of years, working with a number of really key fundamental nursing informaticians. And I think that was fantastic to do that. And I'm actively involved in the Australasian Institute of Digital Health and a fellow of the AIDH as part of that too. Wow. Such cool like experience. It's nice hearing that progression and the story on the way through. Before we dive into it, I want to go into nurse informatics for a little bit more. As a nurse informatician, for those that might be nurses in the space or even just curious around health informatics generally, what does a nurse informatician do? I think one of the real key elements around nurse informatics or nurse informaticians is that it allows us to become the bridging partner with clinicians, not only just nurses, but also people who are allied health, physiotherapists, social workers, psychologists, psychiatrists, and medical officers and specialists. It gives us the ability to work closely with those, engage with them. And I don't want to necessarily go into this aspect of, oh, look, you know, you've got to be a clinician to really engage with clinicians. Now, we've talked about that, and I know you talked about that in a lot of your podcasts, and it really is fundamental, but I don't want to necessarily dwell on it because I think a lot of people talk about it. And so it's probably, it's a known known. But what I see it as being is I have both the clinical aspects and I still register as a nurse. I still maintain my registration because I practice in digital health. So I I am proficient in that. But also, I think it's very important that you maintain that relationship with clinicians as a nurse. Say I'm a nurse implementation. And as you know, with the new APRA guidelines around the use of the word nurse, for example, and the use of the word of specific words, such as midwife, doctor, for example, you have to be registered to use those certain terms in your title. So there are some fundamentals around that with the new guidelines around that. Also, part of my role is to understand and interpret the technology and building the understanding of the technology with clinicians and then interpreting it in a way that they can understand and frame that in their way. So for me, it's about, I would call it, it's almost like an integration agent to some extent in a different terms where I take what happens and where the digital aspect is. I then look at that. I interpret that into what it looks like in a day-to-day life of a clinician, such as a nurse or a physiotherapist or a midwife, for example, or a doctor, 
And then I actually bring those two elements together that becomes the join or the glue, I guess, that sticks between clinicians and the technical world. Yeah. Well, that's often the part where a lot of things fall down, isn't it? It's mm, the, the technology absolutely. and the, the people, both those utilizing it and those receiving the care. And I guess that ties in nicely then with, you know, your work in nurse informatics, then to this point around engaging and educating clinicians about digital mm -hmm. health and why it's so important. I mean, it's easy for us to sit here and say it's really important, but it's easier said than done, right? I agree. I think it was really interesting when I first started doing a lot of this work, I was not only just engaging clinicians, but also engaging people in the software industry. A lot of developers don't understand what they're developing and the implications of how they're developing something into a healthcare world. And this leads around that discussion around sort of educating people. And it's not just, as I say, not just clinicians, but also how do we engage with, in a software vendor industry, how do we engage with the developers and the solution architects who often don't necessarily have a clinical background or a solid healthcare background, but they need to understand the implication of what they're developing is really important for healthcare broadly and what the impact of not doing something versus doing something is in that particular realm. And so when you draw those parallels and bring that to the, their attention, I guess, it gives them an understanding of that. So that's one aspect. The other aspect for me is about, I agree with you, I thought it was straightforward to teach clinicians, say, look, you know, we can teach you about digital health, you understand clinical care, but let's teach you about digital health. But actually the challenge is about the importance of how digital health impacts clinicians on a day-to-day -day basis. So one of the things that I found what was happening in a lot of institutions and a lot of education, and I often see that because I also, I'm still studying, which I'll talk about a bit later on, I guess, is that the people who teach or lecture people on anything necessarily often are really engaged to teach them on the theoretical components of what does it mean for digital health? What does it mean for technology? What does it mean for information governance, for example? The biggest challenge and what I find is really exciting what I do when it comes to teaching and lecturing through the universities that I've been doing that with is bringing the theory and matching that with a practical application of that and actually using my own learned experiences of how that has been applied and how I might use it in more of a pragmatic approach and then matching that theory into a real world scenario. And that's sometimes when students come to me and say, look, I really like that because you can actually explain how you've done it and then apply that theory. And that makes sense to me because I know the practical because you're explaining it. And that's what I've done myself. So that's actually really challenging. And I find that a lot of organisations, a lot of institutions do miss that a little bit. They talk about the theory, but they don't necessarily understand the practical application on how you would apply it. And so even in my information technology, when I did a master's in information technology, one thing that I found was that the lecturers would talk about the theory and they'll talk about program management and project management, for example. They'd say, hey, you need to think about how you would use, for example, specific frameworks around program management or project management, like PRINCE2. But what they also don't recognize is that in its own theoretical sense, it's very hard to apply that into a practical sense without really understanding it. And in fact, applying that into a raw practical sense doesn't necessarily always work. And so sometimes we need to be pragmatic. And so part of the things that I've been doing in digital education is showing how you need to be a bit pragmatic about digital health and applying it in different situations and then looking at how that if you've been kicking around this industry a bit like me, or maybe even you're brand new to digital health, you've probably worked out that health tech is not an individual sport. Whatever you're trying to achieve, whether you're delivering healthcare for patients, or you're building health technology, or perhaps you're helping deploy solutions across health systems, you need a tribe, a community of like-minded individuals who just get it that 
If we're going to transform healthcare, then technology is going to play a huge part in it. So to learn and connect about health tech and level up your game, consider joining our THT Plus membership community. We've got options for every stage of growth, whether you're a solo individual or a startup or scale-up company. As an individual, you get access to our exclusive community forum, you get a warm intro to two other members from me each month, you get free access to our quarterly virtual summits and a bunch of other exclusive goodies. Companies can bring team members into the community, plus you get a presence on our website as a THT Plus member, you can post content like news events and jobs, and of course we love to showcase our members, so when you join as a company THT Plus member, you'll get to appear on this podcast with your very own episode. This podcast is made possible through the support of our members. It's literally the heart of everything we do. So consider joining as a THT Plus member. You can join anytime online. Just go to talkinghealthtech.com slash THT Plus. Right, we're in the real sense of the world in healthcare. Yeah. And I imagine too, in a lot of your discussions at say an executive level in some of these hospital and health systems that points around utilization and adoption of digital health is right up there in terms of the topics that keep them up at night. Is that right? Look, absolutely. I think one of the challenges that I think we often face is that we sort of tend to approach everyone as if they're all the same stakeholder to some extent. I use that very broadly. So we sort of go and say, look, I'm going to just go and talk to the executive people. And I think if we get the executive people on side, then that should be enough that we need to worry about. And then we don't really need to engage everyone else because it will sort of all just happen. And yes, I agree. Executives are really worried about what keeps them up at night. They're worried about their benefit. They're worried about clinical incidents. They're worried about costs, for example, how much it costs to, you know, what's the nursing hours per patient per day, for example? What's the midwifery hours per patient per day? How is it we going to sort of substantiate this budget versus this budget, especially in a private sense, private hospital or a public hospital? But they're not as attuned necessarily. And that's not always the case because a lot of executives in private hospitals are clinical. So they've come from directors of nursing, medical officers, and they often go into those roles. And so the effort to do that stakeholder engagement is probably a little bit less because they sort of understand it. But in the public sector, sometimes you don't have that. And some organizations have executives who don't have any clinical background, their finance background or accounting background. So they're really worried about how much it's going to cost, for example. So this is where it's really important that, you know, when I work with a lot of organizations, I actually develop a whole stakeholder engagement model that looks at how you engage with different people on different levels. And I think we often forget that we sort of, and this seems to be this common complaint that everyone talks about, they're only talking to the CEOs and the CIOs, for example, and the CFOs, but no one's talking to the clinicians down in the bottom. And so often why a lot of these implementations, a lot of delivery of digital technology doesn't necessarily adopt well, is because someone who's a CFO, CEO says, yep, we're going to do this because I'm going to save, you know, $36,000 every quarter, for example, or I'm going to save this amount of money by putting this system in and it's the right system, but don't understand necessarily how that impacts on clinical care necessarily at the grassroots level. So you need to really bring clinicians at the same time as you talk to executives. I'm not saying you don't talk to executives. You just need to also bring every layer of an organization through that discussion. And when you bring those elements together, you'll find that you you have a much better understanding and synergy across the organization about how you might implement digital health. But also the other thing is that this one-stop shop, let's just throw everything into the problem, which you mentioned at the very beginning too, Peter, is that If you just throw in the best EMR, for example, or the best digital solution, that doesn't always mean that you're going to get the best possible outcome because not every EMR is perfect at everything sometimes. And so that's where this concept of best of breed digital ecosystem, I think, is really important. And how do we think about a number of different technologies and a number of different capabilities that help us solve the problem across the broader breadth? 
for example. So you're going to find there are going to be some systems which are really great at ED, theatres, but they're not so great at maternity, for example, and the continuum of care around maternity services. So therefore, you need to think about something that is actually really catered for maternity services. And that's where the crunch comes in, which is how do we integrate all of these elements together to make a really seamless ecosystem? And that's what we sort of thing I try and do with working with organisations to build that understanding that for some organisations, yeah, you could probably throw an EMR such as Epic or Cerner at it. But the reality is you might want to think about as a smaller organisation, maybe you need to think of a different, slightly different approach and maybe a five-year roadmap that builds your maturity out over that time rather than this one-stop shop. And it's interesting too, from those vendors' perspectives, I find in both the hospital, so like in the acute and inpatient side, but also in the general practice and allied space, it's less vendors are looking at the everything to everyone because they don't want to go, as you say, a thousand miles wide and two inches deep. They want to provide the platform and then lean into this concept of integrations and partnerships and all this. But then we go down this line of the the technical side and the standards and everything around it, which is a really important one. But I think that's important knowledge for healthcare providers and those looking at implementing solutions to think of is that it's not necessarily one system that's going to do everything. It's looking at strategically what's really important for us to dive into with someone that's got some expertise in this particular niche of an area. Because if they're focusing solely on, like you say, maternity, then they might know the problem intimately as opposed to providing a high levels piece, which could provide that either competitive advantage from a healthcare provider's perspective or even just solve some heartache that's happening internally. Absolutely. And I think one of the challenges also is this funding issue, which is, hey, we've got this amount of funding, we need to spend it tomorrow. So therefore, let's just do what we can do. And in fact, theoretically, that probably would have been a five year ago type thing where you probably said, you've got this funding, you've got to use it, you've got to use it up within the next financial year, let's just try and spend it. But the reality is you end up spending it on things that you don't need. I mean, Mm. it's just like anyone who goes shopping sometimes, if you've got money, you probably buy something that you probably don't need. The reality is you need to be very measured. That my Amazon account knows that all too well. (laughs) Exactly. I think, broadly speaking, Apple probably knows that too. Yeah, yeah. So (laughs) the whole intent of bringing something out every three or four months Mm. means that people will just keep spending money. Mm. But the reality is in in the digital landscape is you don't want to necessarily do that. And I think that also has a, not only is it a real change to how healthcare organizations need to think about how they spend their money wisely, but also about how governments who do budget, for example, for healthcare organizations, where they're spending the money and saying, look, we will give you this amount of money. But they have this kind of concept where we've got this money, but we're only going to give it to you this financial year or you could lose it potentially. And so I think that that's where that whole change process needs to happen across the board, that not only healthcare organizations, but also government organizations that fund these sorts of things. You know, I know the Victorian Department of Health has a whole Victorian strategy. Actually, in fact, all states have a digital health strategy. That is about building maturity. But I think what I've seen in a lot of the documentation recently is that they're all starting to recognize that it actually is a longitudinal piece of work that needs to happen. And it's not this once or, you know, we get it in a year type thing. So there does seem to be a significant shift now, but it does need to be really pushed around that. But that comes back to this point of the clinicians are too busy looking after patients. And, and if you try and push something in in a year's time, for example, and put in, put in the biggest behemoth of, of a digital solution, for example, you tend to lose a lot of clinical people along the way because they're very busy trying to provide care. And we've seen that in COVID, for example. So small incremental pieces of work that might take over five years that build clinical benefits, governance around that is really important. And I think that that's where we need to sort of start thinking about into that forward roadmap. Mm. 
Absolutely. And wouldn't it be great if there was that sense of urgency to invest in the capability of people as opposed to just more systems that kind of get, get chucked on top of each other? If there was a way to shift the priority to that, I think that everyone would be... I think it's this vicious circle though, Peter, isn't it? And as the circle of, we've got this amount of money, we need to spend it, but we need to spend it wisely versus, hey, let's just take a step back and think about what the strategy looks like if we've got this money. There's a lot of foundational, and this is where I've seen this in a lot of organizations, is that they think if I've got the money, I just need to go and put in an EMR and we'll try and solve the problem. But what I've also seen with working with a lot of organizations is that we know that recipe doesn't necessarily work. But what we do need to do is we need to think about what are the foundational or fundamental steps that need to happen in an organization, such as standardization of clinical care, standardization of terminology, consideration where there's uh, specialized services that need to be addressed, for example. Those things, not only that, it's, it's just educating clinicians at the basic level on digital health and what the benefits are of that, that brings those people on that journey. We often forget because we just want to spend the money and put in something that fixes a problem because we've got a timeline to do or we've got a requirement or a KPI or something else. So there's all these fundamental things, which is around things like clinical governance that need to be put in around software implementations and digital software and and stakeholder engagement even. A lot of things need to happen before you even get to that point of saying, right, what is the solution we're putting in? Yeah, I hear you. So you mentioned clinical governance being a nurse informatician. I expect that clinical governance is probably pretty high on your radar, Brian. How do organizations better understand clinical governance requirements when it comes to digital health? Yeah, look, thanks very much, Peter. And I think one of the key things around clinical governance, I think, is that we're really lucky in relation to clinical governance with healthcare is because they already use a fundamental of clinical governance framework in healthcare today. So when it comes to incident management, safety and quality, that framework already exists and that is already built out from you know, the Australian Council of Healthcare Standards and the National Safety and Quality Health Service Standards and a whole range of things. And they're often measured on that and the maturity of that. But it's about how they apply that. And I think that, and so the benefit that I generally think about it in that way is that you understand clinical governance, you've got a framework around how you objectively manage and measure incidents, for example, or safety and quality. Let's apply the same methodology to digital health. So when we're thinking about digital health, you know, we want to implement the best technology as possible. Mm. But the reality is sometimes some of that technology is going to be more important than other times it's going to be less important. And what does that mean when we think about clinical governance is about how important it is, what the impact is, is, for example, when it comes to it. And we often, I use very simply the severity assessment score, which is used ubiquitously in incident management, for example, that says, hey, how often or likely is this incident to occur or issue to occur versus what is the severity if it did happen what would be the most likely outcome of that and so in a digital world not only about someone getting a serious incident because they didn't get their results for example in time or the fact that the gp didn't get notified of abnormal results but it's also about you know that might happen once every 10 months 12 months for example so what it does is this clinical governance is about putting a framework that to some extent allows us to be a little bit more objective about how we implement and apply digital technologies into healthcare, but also recognizing that something might be more of a clinical risk, even though it doesn't happen every 12 months, for example. But if actually the actual end consequence of not having that type of capability is implemented or partially implemented, results in someone actually potentially dying, for example, and that's a fairly broad example, but then you might actually say, well, actually, that's probably more important putting that in than doing something else or implementing half of a solution is actually going to increase our clinical risk. So therefore, we need to think about that. So that's where I see the clinical governance is really important around that, by adding that that parameter and the framework and fundamental around digital health. 
It's true, isn't it? You know, it's not something that needs to be reinvented. It's well yeah. established in healthcare and that model around. And they understand it. Yeah. And, you know, being a low likelihood, but high impact if it did and what, yep. what some things, the frameworks are all there. So I think applying that in the digital side, which obviously technology more ubiquitous in healthcare delivery, it seems really important that it's following the same model. So that makes a lot of sense. I agree. And I think what's good about that is that with clinicians understand that fundamentally, when you talk them through how you set a roadmap over the five years of implementing a number of different capabilities, they'll sit there and go, yeah, okay, that meets our needs. That solves our problems from a clinical perspective. And it's not just trying to implement it because someone wants to implement it and spend money, for example, and save money somewhere else. So it's really important. Absolutely. So then thinking about the future, let's say we nail some of these things and start getting some good progress. What excites you about the future of digital health if we get all of this right? Well, I think there's two things. The first thing is what really excites me is that from what I've seen from a lot of the students who come through the courses that I teach, generally clinicians who've been engaged in healthcare for a number of years, some of them are actually very early on in their career. We often talk about digital natives, we talk about you know young clinicians coming through expecting digital health to be already there implemented in healthcare, which we know that is not always the case. And if it is, often not always perfect. But what really excites me is that these clinicians want to get involved. They want to get involved in implementing and rolling out digital. They just don't know where to start. So part of the thing that I do is really, and I really excites me in the educational and tertiary world is how do we encourage those people to become the I guess, sort of, you know, the people leading the way for their organizations. And that almost becomes a bottom-up approach about how we top the digital health world. So rather than doing a top-down approach where we've got all the CEOs, CFOs saying we need to do all these things because that's what the government's saying, but how do we get clinicians at the bottom level to really start that process through that? So that's what's really exciting around the education. And one of the universities I'm doing some work with at the moment is actually building out next year a whole fundamental course for all students across the university to undertake a component of digital health or digital capabilities as part of their course requirements, which I think will help us to build that knowledge base up. The other thing I think what really excites me is that people are starting to realise that, you know, this digital ecosystem is really important. It's about how we build that capability and that understanding how that framework around clinical governance is built in. And it's about, you know, how do we encourage that approach? And we need to build that maturity out, I think, over a period of time. But also one of the challenges is, which we've talked about many times, in not only at conferences and summits, for example, every year, there seems to be this discussion around interoperability. When we are talking about digital ecosystems, we really need to understand is how do those pieces fit together and how interoperability becomes much more cohesive between each of those different elements, because that's going to be more important around what that looks like into the future. But I think we're getting there, but I think it just takes time. And I think a lot of vendors are getting on board with that and a lot of healthcare. One of the challenges, how do we educate the hospitals and healthcare? Because they don't necessarily understand the requirements around interoperability. So one of the things that I do is really talk about how those pieces put together. And it's not one of those straight out things. So that's really important. But I think that's where I think digital health is going. And it's pretty exciting working with a lot of people around that. Yeah, absolutely. I hear you, man. Look, and, you know, from your side, you've got a lot of qualifications. You're teaching, you're lecturing. Did you say you were studying as well? Is that right? Yeah, so I, I was going to say foolishly, but I about four, <laughs> five years ago, maybe four years ago now, five years ago, I thought, look, you know, wouldn't it be nice to do law and become a, at some point <laughs> enjoy law? And, and so as I started, do. as you do, so I started a Juris Doctor about four years ago, and they give you something like seven years to do it. <clears throat> so okay. I'm doing it part time with two subjects a semester, for example. Yeah. So I'm studying a Juris Doctor. So hopefully about a year's time, I'll finish that and then have my JD through Deakin University. 
But what that does is, you know, it just adds another paradigm to my ability to work with digital health. And I, you know, understanding the requirements around that and healthcare and law are really synonymous with each other to some extent, because we talk about these things all the time when it comes to standards, risk, those sorts of things. So whilst, you know, for example, criminal law is probably not so much in the same realm as digital health, but certainly commercial law, health law, privacy, all of those things are really enmeshed in healthcare so, and digital health. And so I, it, a lot of it helps build that fundamental of what I'm doing at the moment. Yeah, nice one. <laughs> Glutton for punishment, as they yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Assignments and exams. Yeah, yeah, excellent. <laughs> it's something for your spare time, in inverted yes, commas. Exactly. <laughs> and then, so when you're not gallivanting around doing Juris Doctor and studying, so what's going to keep you busy over the coming months with your work in digital health? So look, I'm doing a couple of things at the moment. For me, I'm working with a number of different startup, to some extent startup organizations, which are building their maturity into the digital health market. One of those, which is a company called Medinet at the moment, which comes out of My Health and also Medibank uh, itself, but they're building out their vertical. So what I'm doing with them is actually better understanding where they can actually move from their current business model into additional business verticals, for example, other healthcare services realms, what they need to do then to underpin that and that foundational, we talked about that around the foundational and so I'm building a whole strategy how that might look over the next coming couple of years. So that's what I'm doing for them. And, and I'm also a chief clinical information officer for an organization of what we call ANJN, which is around digital healthcare automation. And so helping from a governance point of view and clinical governance point of view that works closely with them and their clients, for example. So there's a number of different things that I'm doing at the moment. And it just keeps me doing something different every time. And I really love doing that and what I do. Amazing. Well, look, we'll put your details in the show notes of this episode for people to connect with you if they like. Of course, being a member, people can connect with you through the member profile section as well if they got access there. So Brian, appreciate you coming on and, and talking about these important topics. Look forward to continuing the conversation. in the. Before you go, just a reminder to jump over to our YouTube channel and subscribe and watch some episodes there. There are podcast episodes, summit sessions, and a bunch of other interesting content on our channel. You can just search Talking Health Tech in the YouTube app or click on the link in the show notes of your podcast player, and it should just take you straight there. Thank you. The THC Plus community, thanks so much. Thanks very much, Peter. Thanks for listening to Talking Health Tech. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast player, and for more information, visit talkinghealthtech.com.